Right, um, we'd usually open this by saying good evening everyone, welcome to the Henry 7 podcast, but the fact of the matter is, after what we saw today, both on and off the pitch, it is not a very good evening at all to be a Gillingham fan, um, lots to get through today, um, unfortunately the, the result is sort of redundant in really in, in terms of what happened today at the ground and we will obviously talk about that um, on the field. Jules defeated 2-0 by Newport County, two penalties from Omar Bogle, two Jules errors. Proven to be the difference in uh, another home lacklustre performance, which obviously has ended with Jules leaving empty-handed. And the questions persist in regards to managers, managerial appointments, the right people, the wrong people, the decisions, etc. It all seems to be coming to a head. And the best thing that can happen now is those issues are, are cleared up. We have an appointment as soon as possible and we can start to, to look forward rather than being in this this managerial uh, turmoil that we are currently in. But, as I said, um, other issues off the field, um, you know, keep carrying on at pre-sealed and we're going to get into that before we get into the game because it's more important than talking about the game, let's be completely honest. Um, Matt, Reese, I'll bring you both in for this. Uh, Reese, I'll start with you. Um, there's no way of, of caveating what happened today. What we witnessed at Priestfield was downright racial abuse um, of Omar Bogle, the uh, the Newport striker. The situation was he uh, won the penalty for, for Newport. A bad challenge uh, from Turner, which was brought onto him by Paul. Bad pass from uh, Alexander. And the, the situation, as you usually expect, right? Someone uh, in the away stadium getting ready to take a penalty, everyone behind the ground, you know, waving their hands around, you know, booing, etc., trying to put him off. He puts the penalty into the back of the net and he shushes the, the home the home ground. Now, I have zero issue with that. If I, if any of our players did that in the away ground, I'd think that's hilarious. Give it back to them. They're giving you stick, trying to put you off. Get back to him. It's just it's just the nature of. Of football, it's the, the banter between players and supporters, things like that, is absolutely harmless, and it shouldn't offend anyone. I know people, you know, take the sometimes get offended, give a bit more back than they should. But what we saw today was way, way beyond that. Um, that we'll say it for what it is. There's a guy clearly on camera doing monkey gestures towards uh, Omar Bogle, who of course is a, is a black forward for for Newport, and you know, Reese is it. <laughs> We, we said it at the time, um, we, we didn't actually see it happen in, in real time because we weren't looking down that way. But you can tell immediately, couldn't you, by the uh, reaction. Um, the Newport players were, were by our end, uh, obviously, and, you know, celebrating. But then you saw the turn in how they acted. They all immediately sprung into action, pointed straight at the end uh, where our supporters are, the random end, which clearly identified that something had gone on. And unfortunately, as a Jules fan, and the record we have with uh, goings on by a crowd... Um, crowd behaviour and things like that, it was no surprise that what happened happened. And you know, we've seen we've all seen the footage now that was put on Twitter. The person responsible, the low life scumbag that he is, has been arrested, banned from Priestfield for life, which is what you'd expect to happen. Um should be banned from all sport in my opinion. Um and yeah, it I, I don't know what how to even approach it really. It's just another example of our fan base being absolute idiots. Um, I want to say they don't represent the whole fan base, because of course they don't, but when these things are so consistent, you know, the incident last week with the Notts County goalkeeper, even, you know, people might find it funny because it's not an opposition player, but even when we scored against uh, MK Don, someone threw a hot dog at Tom Nichols, like, what, why? And then you go back to issues uh, with racial abuse, the Wimbledon game, the Colchester game, the uh, 
Lincoln game, if we're going back into the, the Steve Evans um, time when he was manager, that, that sort of period, opening game of that season. And the worst thing about this, Reese, is it, is it isn't new. It's not something that comes out, you know, you see it's, it's been on Sky Sports today, it's got coverage on Daily Mail as well. When you see, as a Gillingham fan, someone's been involved in the crowd from racial abuse, the, you don't look at it and you think, well, that doesn't sound like us. It's so common now. Not just racial abuse, but other forms of sexist abuse as well. That you're not even surprised, are you? And that's 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 a damning, damning reflection of of where we are as a club at this moment in time off the pitch. No, it's it's a really sad state of affairs, and I think I've seen a lot of people say it on on social media after the game that it it makes you feel a little bit ashamed to support the club at the moment. Um, obviously, like you've just said, where we are based in the rain of men, we didn't actually see what happened, but. You know, for me, as soon as obviously the referee walks over to the fourth official to report something, it's really, really clear what's gone on. Um, and then, yeah, obviously a few minutes later, someone showed us the still image captured from I followed what had gone on and just sort of my jaw sort of hit the floor. Just, I just don't understand what could go through a human being's mind to have the front, to be right at the front of a stand in front of opposition players celebrating to to do that and, and how brainless do you have to be to think that you might be able to get away with it um, the only the only well, good's the wrong word but if, uh, the only good that come out of it that by half time Joe Comper had put a tweet out saying he'd already been arrested um, a lifetime ban had been issued so the positive to it is that it, it was dealt with very very quickly by the club um, but like you say if you think in the last 18 months we've had what um We've had a pitch invasion that caused fan trouble the day we got relegated at home to Rotherham. Um, we've had three charges of sexism and racism against Colchester, Wimbledon and Sutton. Um, we've had Pyro being thrown onto the pitch at Sutton away this season. Um, we had a vape thrown at an opposition player last week and then monkey gestures today. Um, and I honestly don't know what it would take for, for the message to get across to a minority of people and you know, we have to stress it is a minority of people. Um, the vast majority of people that go to watch Jill just go to watch the football like we do. But it's it's got to the point now where we've had so much go on in a fairly short space of time that it feels almost inevitable to me that the FA are going to come down on us hard very, very soon. Um, particularly now this one today has is, is been broadcast in national media. Um and I'd defend the FA for doing whatever they have to do, to be honest. Um, whilst it would be absolutely horrible for the majority of us that go to football for the right reasons, um, if they decide to force a full or partial closure of the ground um, or give us a points deduction or whatever they decide it, it takes, I, I would have no complaints for them doing so because it, it's, it's got to the point where it's, it's beyond ridiculous um, and something, frankly, does need to be done about it. Yeah, Matt, that's exactly right, isn't it? It's not like we haven't had, you know, warnings from the FA. We've we've had fines here and there for the, the separate incidents, and it is a case of you know what is it going to take for these mindless individuals to see what's going on and think? Well, I, I, the worst thing for me is I think some people have have the opinion that you know they can go there and get away with it because you know they're not the ones who are being fined. It's the club, and everyone's like, well, they're not going to do a points deduction. They won't do that. We can do what we want, and that's just not the case. And it's just See, seeing the club being brandished with, with that brush is not unjust because it's so regular, as we've been saying. It's a massive, massive issue. And 
is 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 one that just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, the good thing is, obviously, the person responsible today was caught uh, very swiftly by the sounds of it, arrested and, and obviously banned, which is great. Um, but it's it's hard to understand this, the mindset of someone to do it. I mean, it's you look at the the place that he did it as well. He's straight on camera. Um, he. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but yeah, just, just give us your, your overall thoughts of, of what happened because it's just, you know, you, you, everyone listening can tell I'm struggling to really think of like ways to, to talk about it because it's just, is just another damning indictment on, on the football club that's done so much hard work since January to get a positive outlook, changed so many great things to make the club look a lot better than it was this time last year, yet some people persist on on trying to ruin that and thinking they can go to a football game, do what they want with with no repercussions. Yeah, well, I mean, to give you guys a bit of an insight to where I was sat, uh, I sit in block five, row B, seat 99, right on the very edge. So right on the steps as you walk out out of the tunnel. And the guy that did that was sitting in, uh, I think it was block six, row B, and it would have been probably seat 100. It was literally the other side of the stairs to where I was. And I saw him jump up when Bogle scored and he run down. And yeah, you get the usual effort and blinding at the player and giving him the old wanker sign and the fingers and all that. And then all of a sudden, he did that. And, and I'm sorry, I can't forgive that. Because there's there's no way you can turn around and defend what you've done. You know that gesture you, you're doing, you know what you're doing. And I'm sorry, there, there is no place for that. Not just in football, in the world, right? That is a human being. I'm sorry, you, you don't do that. I'm sorry. I, 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 it, it really did my... I turned around to my mate and I said to him, uh, you know, when it, after it happened, and there was guys coming down from, from back up there, you know, pointing out and oh, telling the stewards, come on, guys, are you not going to do anything about this? And the stewards were just standing there. And it took the police to come over to actually then kick the guy out. I'm sorry, as the second that should have happened, the stewards need to react quicker. I'm not blaming the stewards, but they were just so slow to react. It took us fans to tell the stewards that this guy is doing this and to kick him out. I'm sorry, that, that, that's not good enough. I'm, I'm not blaming the stewards. I'm not blaming Gillingham Football Club, but more training needs to be done with those guys. They need to sit, stop sitting at the front of the stand, vaping or, or you know, being on their phone or anything like that. They need to look at what's going on in the crowd because, obviously, as soon as a player scores, they're going to taunt the rain of men. Of course they are. We're going to give them jip. That's part of football. They expect that. And if they score, they're going to give it back. And we're just going to have to sit there and go, oh, well, never mind. Let's hope the Jills can turn this around. Of course they didn't today. But ultimately, that game has been overshadowed not 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 just you know um from from us fans point of view but literally national every every single football fan in the country is going to hear that story and they're going to turn around and go those Gillingham fans yeah they're better all racist just because of one person and what's even worse last week somebody threw a vape at somebody uh, the goalkeeper and it hit him in the head okay supposedly he was injured it's not the point you don't do that I guarantee somebody on here that listens to this podcast knows the person that threw it. Have they reported them? No. I'm sorry. That that doesn't stand. If you see something, you've got to say something because 
at the end of the day, if Jules get deducted 10 points or, or three points or whatever it is, and we miss out on the playoffs because of one point, and it was down to that person, they'll become Gillingham enemy number one. You watch. We'll forget about Paul Scally and everything that he's done. That player, that person, sorry, would become public enemy number one. And we don't want that. Of course we don't know. We want to go and enjoy our football. And yet all we see and all we hear is effing this and effing that and, and abuse towards, you know, female physiotherapists. I'm sorry. For me, it is just wrong. I'm glad the guy's been given a lifetime ban. I don't want to see his. I don't even want to know what his name is. I, I want to forget about him now and move on and just concentrate on my football club, Gillingham Football Club, and making it the best it can be. Absolutely right. Uh, Reece, the scenario of it is just so ridiculous, isn't it? Because like we said at the start, he's, he's going to take a penalty. You get the usual, uh, everyone ra- waving their arms around, bit of booing, trying to put him off. He scores the penalty. I said to you when we were walking out of the ground, if that's one of our players at an away stadium, the, any random example, I suppose, Crawley, just for you know sake of it. And um, we, well, our players being taunted and booed by uh, the Crawley fans and he scores the penalty and he then goes and shushes their home fans. We're thinking, oh, that's quality. That is gotten back. It, someone does it to us, which is completely fair game. No issue with it at all. I don't care that he shushed us. It's part and parcel football. For him to then see that and think, well, it's fair game for me to go and give him a monkey gesture, isn't it? Because he's going to uh, give us the shush. It's not remotely comparable. And it, I don't know how the people get into that mindset. I really don't. It's... You know, I don't think this is a one-off thing. I think if that comes to your mind to do that very quickly, I think there's obviously very racial undertones with as for you as a person prior to that uh, event, obviously whoever it was, and you know it just it's an, one thing after another, isn't it? With the football club, you know, like Matt said earlier, I'm, I'm not blaming the club for this, obviously, but every club, I know everyone can say, you know, Keith Millen himself says he pointed out during the, his press conference when someone asked him about it, he went, yeah, but it's not just our club and I thought well, that's, that's not the point we're not talking about other clubs we're talking about our clubs other clubs it might happen on rare occasions but for us it doesn't seem to be a rarity does it it keeps happening as we mentioned before and whatever it is whether it's racial abuse whether it's sexist abuse whether it's throwing things onto the pitch and whatever else it it's a theme that has been consistent this season albeit sporadic if you like but it's not something that's happened once and not happened again it's something that's happened and happened and like you say, whatever happens with the FA now, we can't turn around and say, oh, that's not fair. It's fully justified, whatever they choose to do, whether it's a fine, whether it's a point deduction, whether it's closing off part of the ground, it's fully justified. We can't have any complaints about it. And it's going to be the fault of a minority of, of, of fans. And you know, we seem to be finding people and banning them, but then it, somehow someone else turns up and, you know, that wasn't even the only issue in the crowd today. You know, we, we were seeing a second half, these two people arguing about something or another. Someone had, then you have the idiots who come and join in, even though they're not involved because they feel like if anything in this situation, they need to get themselves involved. And, you know, some one individual came down, started having a go at a woman. And there's a lot of stewarding uh, involved in that one. A lot of people had to get involved. And it's just like, you don't understand the environment you're in sometimes compared to, you know, the season's gone by where we haven't had issues and everyone's been there to enjoy the football. Everyone's had a social event. Most people know each other, get on very well. It just seems like there's sections of the crowd in every game that you, you just don't recognise from what you used to see at Gillingham Games. Yeah, like you say, a lot of the issues have have come about in the last sort of 18 months, two years, and I don't know where it's come from. Oh, I mean, 
obviously the last sort of 18 months our, our crowds have been getting bigger so I suppose people could say by law of average if you get more people coming into the ground you're going to get more idiots coming in maybe there's an element to that but you know some of some of the things I've seen in, in response to what what's happened today people trying to turn it onto onto Boggle himself that oh well if if you incite the crowd then you have to expect some like them to give you abuse and it's, it's such a ridiculous thing to throw out inciting the crowd. Why don't you get a yellow card for it? At, at worst, it's it's pantomime stuff. It's childish. Like, I don't understand how uh, a human being or a grown adult can get so angry at someone shushing you. And it's something. Sort of and it's something that if. And it's something that if one of our players did it, everyone would be loving it. No, Will Wright did it at Swindon last season. He scored a penalty. Love it. Conor Mahoney, Tuesday night, scores against Swindon, runs straight into the corner where their fans are. There's no problem with it. Like you say, it's, it's part of the banter of, of, between players and, and fans. So how people get so rattled by it, I, I gen- it, it beggars belief, mate. It really does beggar belief. Um, uh, and yeah, I, and yes, we say people that do it aren't Gillingham fans in brackets, but unfortunately, you know, as much as it's not their fault that it happens, the club ultimately are responsible for what happens inside their football stadium. You know, we can say the guy's not a Gillingham fan, but you can see in the pictures he's wearing a Gillingham shirt. So I don't think it's someone that's just turned up at Priestfield for the first time today to go and racially abuse someone. Um, and yeah, and it, it needs sorting out. And, and like I say, I think the FA are entitled to do whatever they feel is necessary to to not just send a message to us, but to send a wider message to the rest of the EFO and beyond that they're no longer going to stand for this kind of behaviour because it it has got beyond a joke now. It really has. And like you say, is there's other little pockets of incidents going on in the Rain of Men seemingly every week where fans are rowing, trying to fight each other. Um, and I just, I just don't understand where it's come from. Um, you know, we'll probably come on to it a little bit more later, but like I, I said to you coming out the ground, um, it feels like a different football club to the one we went out to Italy and saw, what, three, four months ago. Yeah, and just Matt, to, 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 before we get on to the, to the game itself, it obviously has rightly um, sparked a lot of um, articles online. I think the Daily Mail have done one. We've just been uh, tagged in an article ourselves, actually, by an a, a official uh, media outlet, if you like, but Fan Banter have put up a, an article about it. And... Uh, it was uh, I obviously wasn't watching cars at the game, but I believe it was uh, mentioned and shown on uh, Sky Sports News during their um, Let's Talk a Saturday show, and it, it just it undermines everything that the club has been trying to achieve for the past, uh, certainly since January, since Brad and Shannon arrived, and all the positive publicity, the trip to Italy that Reece said that we never thought we'd be able to do, the you know LED boards coming in, all this positive stuff happening off the pitch, you know, the relationship between the fans and the owners being brilliant and then things like this happen and it just, people might look at us from far out a few months ago before, you know, we had all the massive troubles this season and think, well, they're getting, they're turning into a really well-run club, they've got great owners, they're going on great tours and they're doing great things and then you see stuff like this and people look at it and think, oh, actually, never mind, they're a horrible club, but never mind what they've done and all the positive outlooks they've been able to create in the past year one thing like this and rightly so people get the opinion of us as, as a negative and, and you can't argue with it on the basis of, of what we saw today whether it's a whole stadium whether it's one person it reflects massively on the club and 
you know, the amount of times we've had to do statements, you know, it, it, before every game now, you hear at the Rainham end, uh, Doug on the Tannoy talking about the uh, fines that have come out and reminding everyone, you, you, these are grown men, and uh, grown men going to football games. They don't, shouldn't have to be reminded not to racially abuse someone and not, shouldn't have to be reminded that we've had fines in the past, so please don't do this, please don't do that. It's common fucking sense, excuse my French, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's not something I can say this is how you fix it because I don't generally don't know uh, I think the stewarding's a good point I think a lot of it you know no disrespect to them but I think a lot of them are just non-confrontational people they sit there hoping that nothing happens and you know most of the time they'll probably be fine but you know I do see a lot of them sitting there vaping just doing what they want not really paying much attention and then it's it takes as as you said earlier Matt a, a fan to you know I believe he got him around the neck and he uh basically escorted him out himself before the police went and finished the job and it shouldn't come to that it should be eagle eyes as soon as it happened this is why I didn't understand how he had to be uh, he wasn't instantly seen and taken because you know you look at the footage it's right in front the Newport players are pointing at him it should be police over straight away deal with it get him out done rather than the fan having to go and instigate it for that to happen and that's that's the one well not the one disappointing thing of course but another big issue with, with what happened today is how you deal with it and it's going to continue to affect the club you know what happens next as I said the potential uh, repercussions whatever it is you've got to accept it because it's valid and it's going to give the club an incredibly negative outlook and, and one that doesn't justify you know calling the whole fan base racist or anything like that but these things they represent the club whether it's one person whether it's 10,000 it's something that's going to persist if nothing's done but what's the likely solution to sorting it out? I'm not entirely sure. I know we have GoPro footages uh, attached uh, behind the goals of the Rainman for when we score. Maybe they can be used to maybe get more of them in and just sort of, you know, it's a ridiculous suggestion you'd have to say. But given where we are, would it be such a bad idea to have cameras in the Rainman to, to sort these things out? You know, it shouldn't have to come to that ever. But I, I see it as something that if it has to be done, then put it in because... You know, they're still they're still trying to look for the guy through um, whatever it was that the uh, Notts County goalkeeper last week. They haven't been found yet. They were probably there today, happy as Larry that they can just continue on as they were. But there needs to be a, a firm, stable solution for for dealing with these things quickly. And I'm not going to stand here and say I know what it is. The cameras are a suggestion, but I'm sure there's much more that can be done. It's not potentially a, a quick and easy suggestion in terms of fixing it, but. It, one thing, sure, we, it can't, it just can't carry on the way it is because this club is, is going to be very, very quickly unrecognisable if it does. Do you know what? I, I would rather our stadium and the Rainer men be half full with people that actually want to support and cheer on the team. And yeah, they'll, they'll be disappointed when, when we concede, but they're not going to say anything racist or throw objects. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Do you know what? I'd be happy if our stadium was half full each week because those idiots didn't turn up. I would actually be happy because at least it means I'd be able to enjoy going to a Jules game. <clears throat> Do you know what? There, there, there's a guy who sits a few rows behind me and all I hear him literally every 10 seconds is effing this, seeing that. Uh, you know what I mean? And I, I don't want to be hearing that all game. And then, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I t- I, I, my, I, I think I know what the biggest issue is. And the problem is, without completely banning this thing, 
without completely banning it, you're going to end up with it. Um, you, you're never going to be able to stop this completely. And, that, and that's alcohol. It's people drinking. People have a few drinks. They get a bit leery. They think they can take on the world. They think they can say what they want. That's ultimately where it all comes from. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to have a beer before the game, but I have a beer. But come on. How many of you people know guys that go to the pub as soon as it opens at 12 a.m. on a uh, 12 p.m. on a Saturday and they're in there right until about half two and then they walk down to the ground and grab themselves another couple of beers before the game starts? Do you know what I mean? That's ultimately where most of this does come from. It's it's people get have a few too many drinks, they get a bit leery, they think they can take on the world, but ultimately, beer's never going to be banned from football, it's too much of a massive seller. But that is ultimately where I think most of this does come from. And look, the best ways of counteracting it is, yeah, get more stewards in, train them up really well. Like you said, Owen, obviously make sure that, you know, they they don't mind confrontations because when people have had a few beers, they're ready to take on the world, aren't they? So, look, it's it's not going to be solved by next next week. It's not going to be solved by the end of the season, but get some cameras, get some CCTV in the rain and let's get rid of the, do you know what I'm going to call them it? Let's get rid of the pricks because that's what they are and let's just start enjoying our football and supporting our football team again. Can I just say, Matt, as well, obviously you raised an interesting point about stewarding and stuff like that and there's elements of me that does feel a little bit sorry for stewards because they they probably feel like, and this isn't slagging the club off, it's just the nature of a job, you know, it's a part-time job, they come for a couple of hours on a Saturday and do it. They probably feel like they don't get paid enough money to get involved in confrontation, but you're also right in the fact that I think there are people at the football club that have to do more, and I'll give you an example from today, and people may be able to say in the comments whether they had this happen as well or didn't, particularly people sitting in block three and four of the Rainham end. Um, I turned up about quarter past two, um, it was still fairly quiet in the ground at the time. I walked up the steps in between block three and four towards my seat and some security guy was stood halfway up the stairs and stopped me. And he went, can I see your ticket? I said, yeah, no problem. I've sat in the same seat for the last five years, so I know where to go. And he went, no, it's, it's nothing against you, but we've been instructed to check everyone's tickets coming up here. So whatever, fine, no problem. I show him my ticket. He says, that's fine, go and sit down. Obviously, Cam, who sits with us, Owen, he sits one seat next to me walks up the steps 10 seconds after me, doesn't have his ticket checked. I was like, what's that all about? And for the next five minutes, I'll keep an eye on it. The next person walks up, doesn't have his ticket checked. And the person after that does. Owen, did you have your ticket ticket checked? And you sit next to me. So I'm all for them trying to do things to help sort these problems out. But to me, it feels a little bit half-arsed. So in that regard, we can be better. And we do have to be better because there might be valid reason from wanting to look at tickets. It might be because they've identified rough seat numbers of where something was thrown from last week. So they want to identify who was in those areas. No problem with that. But if you're going to check one person, you've got to start checking everyone, surely. Can I, can I say then, though, they, they may have also been given, and I'm not pointing fingers at you, Reese, here, but they may have been given a description of somebody who may have looked similar to you, hence asking where you were sat because they have an idea of where it was thrown from and they're trying to find somebody who matches your description who sits in that area. That So potentially, that, that so, oh, oh, you know, maybe that is why. But, yeah, you're right. 
I kind of think if they are going through checking everyone's, yeah, or meant to be checking everyone's tickets, then come on, why aren't they checking everyone's tickets? I do get your point there, but it could have been. I'm just, I'm trying to defend them here, playing sort of devil's advocate. It could be that they were maybe looking for, say, somebody who sort of fit your description. That's unfortunate for them then. They do look a little bit like me. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say anything, you know, because you are an ugly. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next question. Owen. Well, it's not a question, but someone's uh, sent us a statement that's uh, come out from Omar uh, Bogle, which I'm going to read to you now. Uh, for anyone that hasn't uh, read it, it came out on his Instagram uh, five or so minutes ago. said, firstly, I want to thank everyone for the messages of support already after today's match. Listen, this problem is bigger than just football, but in life. And as we keep saying, there's no place for racism. It's 2023. Do better. I appreciate the support I received from the Gillingham players and staff and also a lot of the supporters. And I urge you all to continue to drive out the minority that stain the club's reputation and values. I also think it's weird and a bit alarming that Sky Sports have decided to cut short the footage after I scored both goals. Don't hide the fuckery. Let it be seen in plain sight so everyone can witness the behaviour that is still very much alive in all walks of life and in our game at all levels. Um, yeah, very. another point about this, um, I think it's a very good statement um, from Omar Bogle. Um, we, we, we said this to each other at the time and we thought, well, you know, we're, we're abusing this player, not us personally, obviously, but we have fans who are abusing this, this player for being black. That's the reason they're, they're abusing him because he, he's of black skin. That's, in their opinion, wrongfully, of course, a reason to abuse someone. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. But do these people not think for one second? Well, we have, like, Shadogi, for example, our, our black centre-half. Everyone loves Shadogi. He's the same skin colour as the person you're abusing. Does anyone stop for a minute and think, well, I'm abusing this black player, but he plays your position team, so that's fine. Like, what, what does our what do our black players think of that? How do they think? What, they must think who, who who are these people I'm playing for week in week out who can so happily go and abuse an opposition player because of the colour of their skin, which is the same colour of mine? He must be thinking, well, if I was if I was, if I was coming here as an opposition, would I if I didn't play for this club, would they happily abuse me? Because that seems to be the precedent that's been set. And no one thinks about our own individual players that are black and of of um. <coughs> Excuse me, that are black and they think they don't stop to think. Well, what what can they think about that? Because I'm sure players like Shad and and uh, light skinned players, maybe like Jaden, probably looked at that and thought, Jesus Christ, you know, I'm you know, what I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, I can imagine people people like Shad, Jaden Clark, um, Tim Deang, so on and so forth, would have been mortified when they see that at the end of the game. Um, you know, the the players are really good as well. They they praise our our fans a lot um, but you know I couldn't have any complaints if some of them come out and called that out for what it was um, and we said as well at the time you know whether you, whether you see what happened or not it was very quickly very obvious once the ref had gone to the fourth official that he'd been racially abused and then despite that every time Bogle gets the ball the crowd are just booing him it's like why are we booing a bloke who's just been racially abused? I, I don't, just, just because he's told his fans to shush because they've tried putting him off a penalty and he's tucked it in the bottom corner. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I've, I've said it already and I don't know what more I can add to it, to be honest, mate. I just don't understand how grown men can go to watch a game of football and be so rattled by a footballer telling them to shush when they've been trying to put him off and give him abuse over taking a penalty. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't know what goes through people's minds 
Um, and yeah, and yeah, we pe- people like Shad in our team, so on and so forth. But I feel really sorry for them because yeah, that that must be a mortifying feeling for them tonight to to have walked off the pitch. Well, I mean, they'd have known what happened anyway. Let's be honest. As soon as as soon as the incident took place, it had been perfectly clear what happened. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a shame, mate. It is a real shame. And you know, in January we might try and go after trying to sign a player that's 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 black or or whatnot, and they might think, well, why would I go and play for that football club when they've got fans with a reputation of behaving like that? It it, it could have long lasting effects that people probably don't think about the time they do it. Um, I think Matt's partly right. I I wouldn't be surprised if. Not that not you can't you can't hide behind alcohol as a whole as an excuse for any form of behaviour, but I wouldn't be surprised if if people that get involved in this kind of stuff at football grounds are highly intoxicated. Um, and it just makes a mockery of it for me that when I'm sort of in recent months I've seen talks of trying to get alcohol in stadium bowls allowed again, like it's allowed in rugby and cricket and things like that. For me, it'd be the worst thing that could ever happen to the game of football. Um, so I hope it doesn't change in that regard because yeah, Matt, I make I make you spot on. I think it probably does have a have an impact on the way people behave once they're inside a football stadium. Um, but it's no excuse once people step foot inside the turnstiles; they're responsible for their behaviour. Um, and yeah, it, it needs sorting out. Frankly, there has uh, also been. Oh, sorry, Matt, go on. Oh, sorry, I did. I just had my hand up because uh, I put my hand up because I, I had a quick question. Weren't we linked with him as well in the summer? Uh, or, is, or am I wrong? Was it, well, was it him we were linked um, with at one point? Uh, well, we've, we've linked in the summer. You never know what's concrete or not. But he certainly, yeah, yeah. Was, and that he certainly was a name that was, you know, suggested by a lot of Jules fans as a potential target. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, and uh, like, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, again, if he had joined us, would that guy have done that still to him? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it just, it does pain me, and look, pain me obviously to say it, but look. Uh, and, and I'm just going to echo it again. I, I, I probably that guy was probably you know slightly intoxicated. The guy last week was probably slightly intoxicated. I think that is one of the biggest issues. Don't get me wrong; it's fun to have a drink, but that's the point. It's having a drink. Yeah, um, we are going to read you a, a statement that's come out in the past um, ten minutes uh, from. Uh, from Joe Comper, obviously head head of um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, head of everything that goes on, a uh, director of operations, of course. Um, he has issued the following statement. There's a video form of it. Obviously, I can't uh, play that whilst I'm talking, but I can read out uh, what has been said. Uh, so Joe Comper says, "I think most people would have seen the clips on social media, and I just wanted to reaffirm." what action we have taken and our stance on this sort of behaviour. One thing that people will see today from the way that we have responded is that our stance is zero tolerance. We are absolutely disgusted and we are frustrated, if I'm honest. We have dealt with it within 30 seconds. The person involved was taken and arrested by the police. Statements have been taken throughout the game and we have active, actually spent a lot of time dealing with that incident throughout the game to make sure that the person gets dealt with and dealt with appropriately. That will now be handled by the police. I think it's quite clear everyone has seen the video and everyone can see what has happened. But it's important that we, as a club, show that we take it very seriously. We dealt with it very quickly and the person was dealt with. One thing that I want to make a point of saying, and I think this is important to note, we put out a statement last week asking for fans to come forward and help us deal with these problems. The response from the majority of Gillingham fans has been outstanding today, really outstanding. 
whilst I've seen a few people state online that they are embarrassed to be a Gillingham fan, I understand that because of that one person. But let me tell you, the number of people in this stadium, and there has been people on all three sides, by the way, have come up to me. We've actually been struggling to deal with the number of people who are trying to tell us what happened, and that makes me proud. That makes me proud to be a Gillingham fan because the club is frustrated and are sick of it. And actually, so are the majority of the fan base that are here. They don't want to see it. They they understand the repercussions it can have on the club. The majority of people here are here as desperate to stand out as we are. So that actually makes me proud, and I'm thankful to the fan base. That was the main reason I wanted to come on and make the point. Yes, it's not a great look for the club. I'm not happy about it, and I do not want these incidents to happen. But actually, most of the people here related to Gillingham Football Club don't either. That was shown today, and that helped us take action. So I'm thankful to the fans. Um, yeah, gents, um, it's a very um, concise, very passionate, and, and very to the point and a statement that needed to be put out. And I think Reece, in terms of Joe being head of operations, he has that responsibility to come out. And I think he's he's handled it brilliantly. I think he made a lot of good points there. It wasn't just a you know a typical club statement where they can't say a lot. He puts out two or three lines. He's been very in-depth in his, in his thoughts. And I think that's that's what a lot of people needed to hear after day, today, wasn't it? No, yeah, there's not not really much more I can I can add from that. I think it's a good, strong statement. Um, like I say, it was, it was good that Joe managed to get out I think before half time had even come that the guy had already been arrested and and issued with a, a permanent ban from the ground. So yeah, you know, it, it it was dealt with pretty swiftly. Um, unlike obviously there's been other incidents like last week where I think they're still struggling to to find the culprit and and stuff. So no, I, I think it's a good statement. Obviously, it's a statement that had to be issued. Um, it can't change what's happened. Um, but, you know, it's it's a reassuring sign today that something has been done about it quickly, that hopefully it is the first step to helping us try and eradicate it from the football ground. Um, and, yeah, and if, if, God forbid, it it happens again, I think we've seen now a process in place that, that we can quickly identify people and, and get them dealt with by, by the people that need to deal with them sort of higher up the chain in terms of, in terms of police and, and so on and so forth. Oh, so I was, I was going to say that first off, Joe, first off, great statement. I can see you're listening. Um, that is kind of the perfect statement to put out. I've got to say, you can check my seat position. If you want to know any information, I'm all, it, uh, you know, I'm all yours. Um, I was literally sat right next to it. But look, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, as we've said, the fact that the club have acted so swiftly in saying that this guy's got a lifetime ban, I'm hoping that does act as a deterrent now for anyone else. And they're going to look and they're going to go, right, okay, he got ejected pretty quickly. He was kicked out, lifetime ban, not allowed to go to any football games ever again. I don't want that to happen to me. Okay, I'm going to sort myself out. And hopefully that we, we don't see that now for a while. But the fact that we've got that in our back pocket, I think, is an excellent thing. So, you know, I'm so pleased. And Joe, you said it was it was a great statement. And um, I, I fully back you, mate. Yeah, um, we've spent about 45 minutes rightfully talking about um, the issues uh, off the pitch. Um, let's talk about the issues on it, which don't improve uh, much, to be honest. Um, look, uh, Jules, it's hard to really remember the performance, really, considering everything that's gone on uh, uh, during the game and obviously the aftermath. But, Reese, it, um, 
it was an unchanged team from the one that defeated uh, Swindon Town on Tuesday. Not many surprises in terms of Keith Miller not wanting to, to mess with anything. And it, it looked a game on paper. I think we were all looking forward to it and seeing it as a good opportunity to get three points. Um, we had the big first big chance of the game with uh, Macaulay Bonner uh, on the replay. It looks like the defender plays it back to his goalkeeper, not knowing Bond's there. And, you know, we, we said on Tuesday we gave Bond the benefit of the doubt because it was a, a very good save from the Swindon goalkeeper and we didn't really think he could do much more with it. But this one this one was a really, very really poor miss, wasn't it? Uh, the keeper's gone down, given him the whole angle of the goal to aim at and he's, he's managed to find the goalkeeper and it's a, it was a very poor effort. And, you know, in hindsight, you might think if that goes in, is it a different game? Quite possibly. But I think that was not not a turning point in the game, but it was a, a massive moment in, in hindsight, wasn't it? Because... You know, that goes in, we take the lead and, you know, we're notoriously very good when we do take the lead. At, but it, it was a chance chance not taken. And, you know, in terms of clear-cut chances throughout the game, there ain't many to talk about. And I think that's probably the main one we can talk about. And this, you know, we, while we go through and talk about the game in individual points, I think we'll be done by half-time because, you know, spoilers, nothing happened in the second half. But, um, yeah, that bond chance was a, a massive part of the early part of the game, wasn't it? No, it was. And this is you and me are, are, are both aligned in the fact that we're big fans of, of Bon. Um, had to defend him a lot in, in his short period here so far this season. Um, again, you know, he's no fault of effort from him. He's bleeding the line by himself for large parts of the game. But, yeah, we we defended him for the chance on Tuesday. He sort of gave more credit to the goalkeeper. Today. I mean, I've not seen the one back from today, but even live sitting at the wrong end of the ground, it looked like it was one of them that, that had to hit the back of the net. And and you're not wrong. We're such a good leader in games. Um, that if that goes in, there's every chance we go and win the game from there. Um, and it's frustrating because we actually started the game quite brightly. Um, we was on the front foot early, which was what we expected. You know, we fell into the old Gillingham trap that everyone turned up today quite confident we was going to get a result. Um, and I think before Bon even had that chance, I think Jeffries had a, had a good strike pushed away by the goalkeeper. So... The early tone was quite promising, but yeah, obviously McCauley misses that chance, and and then unfortunately, just despite the fact whether he should shouldn't score and whatnot, the the way we allow the game to unfold from that point onwards is is yeah, absolutely criminal. Yeah, uh, Matt. Moving on to uh, well, where the game just sort of ended up drifting away, really uh, a mad period. Uh, for Jill's two individual errors, sadly by the same player, Charlie Zander. You won't want to watch this game back in the hurry. Obviously, he didn't have the best night um, on Tuesday individually, given that penalty. But he seems to have a, a big issue with penalties this week. Does Che? Um, look, it's we're trying to play out from the back. Jake Turner's there in theory for the pass back. I don't think Che's even looking when he plays the ball. Bogle skips in between. You know, if you're Jake Turner, you you have no fault for giving away the penalty. There's really nothing you can do other than stick a leg out and hope you get to the ball first. He he didn't. Obviously, wasn't expecting the ball to come towards him. Bogle got there first, nipped round him, and obviously Turner's ended up having to take him out because otherwise Bogle has an open goal. And you know, the penalty, as we know, converted. We know what happened afterwards. We spoke about it uh, for the last 45 minutes. So if anyone's late to the podcast, do check that when we uh, put on to Spotify. But um, yeah, Newport took the lead, slightly against the run of play, given the, the big chance we had earlier on in the game. Uh, although saying that, there was a double save from Jake Turner to the Nybogle not long after that. So maybe it wasn't uh, as against the run of play as I'm making out. But um, yeah, an, an individual error from Che. And 
you know, we, we see it happening before in games where, where players make certain errors and they can overcome it. But unfortunately for, for Trey on this occasion, uh, it, it didn't get much better because um, the second penalty arrived only seven minutes later. Now, I think a lot of Jules fans I've seen aren't convinced it is a penalty. I must admit I was uh, in real time. Uh, very much in a minority uh, around us. But the way I saw it is, um, I can't remember the name of the player, but he's going through on goal. He's played through. I think Che leans into him with his arm in an upward position, more leaning towards with his elbow. And I, I think he just catches the player and I think he takes him out. And I think I think it's a clear penalty. So, yeah, what are your, your views on, on Che for both of those decisions? Did you believe it was a penalty for the second one? And yeah, it, it, it wasn't the best, the best thought first 25 minutes or so for him, was it? And it ended up, Given us a, a mountain to climb when we're not a team that are renowned for scoring a lot of goals to come back from 2-0 down at home to get a result. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way anyway. But yes, when you're in a position like that as a as a Gillingham team, it's usually only means one thing, doesn't it? First off, <clears throat> I think I'm, I, I need to make an apology. Uh, and that apology is going to go to Shay Alexander because right about now, I'm going to be really horrible to him because today was probably his worst game I think I've seen him play in a dual shirt. The, 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 first, the first penalty, you know, we know Shea has got the ability to be able to play really well. And for some reason, he was just not on it today. I don't know why that there was no power in that first ball back to, um, uh, uh, back to Turner, which obviously then gave Bogle the opportunity. And yeah, Turner had to make the tackle. And to be fair, I think the referee was quite lenient towards Turner because I don't think even, I don't, I can't even remember him getting a booking. So I don't think he even got a booking for it, but you know, it could have potentially been worse if the referee had had deemed uh, Bogle to be a bit quicker than Turner. Um, And then the second one, look, I I will say, I do think the second one is harsh. I thought, the player, uh, again, I, I can't remember his name. Um, I, I think he made a lot about the 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 shoulder-to-shoulder incident. Yes, Shea's arm was up, but from where my position was, obviously from where I was sat, I don't think it was sort of anywhere in his face. I just think the player kind of, they were going to go for a 50-50 and the player kind of went, no, actually, if I don't go for this at all, when he comes in, a you know, Instead of it being 50-50, he's coming in at 100%. He's going to look like he's fouled me. And he's won the penalty that way. Because, again, if you look at him, he's on the floor rolling around. Oh, I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And then two minutes later, oh, no, it's fine. I'm okay. So he he won the penalty. Shade, I don't think, conceded the penalty, if that makes sense. But, look, Shay, I, I I generally believe it was probably one of his worst games for deals. Um, maybe he was still thinking about the penalty miss from the other night. But... Look, you know, you're going to miss a penalty or two in, in, in your day. That's unfortunate. But for maybe it was, a say, a still a hangover from that. Look, we've got, obviously, technically a free hit next weekend because, you know, we've got an FA Cup game. So maybe give Shay, you know, a bit of a rest and let him get his head right. Because, say, today I just felt he was definitely not at it. Well, I, I don't know. After, after today's result, I think next week's an even better free hit. To be honest, if we lose that, then it... Compounds everything. Um, Reese, it's, it's obviously interesting Matt's views there um, about the, the second penalty award. Obviously, the first one's clear cut. There's there's nothing to argue about there. It's an obvious penalty mistake from Che. Puts 
Jake Turner in a world of trouble and there's nothing really you can do other than take him out, really. Um, the, the second one, uh, yeah, sparked debate. A lot of people said it wasn't remotely a penalty. I'm, I'm still of the opinion. I think he just does catch him high and it's and it's a second spot kick. I think you're you're familiar in that in that view as well. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 two really bad errors from Trey. I think I said to you. I think since Harris has left, I think he's been the worst player we've had uh, on the back of that. And I think he's obviously the penalty on Tuesday is what it is. We won the game anyway. He's easily forgettable. But I don't think Trey's been all there since since Neil's left. And obviously today, two really really bad individual errors. I think both were penalties and. Yeah, not his greatest first half an hour or full ninety as in fact. No, he was he was well off it today. Um but he, he wasn't the only one. Um I think Matt's analogy for the second penalty is quite good. I think it was probably more the other player winning it rather than Che giving it away. I think the biggest problem probably in the eyes of the referee for Che in that in in that incident was I don't think at one point he even looked at where the ball was. It looked like he was only interested in the man the whole time. I think he has just tried to go shoulder to shoulder with him, but it does look like his arm has just caught him a little bit high. Um, and what you know, we can debate whether it is or isn't a penalty. Once it's actually given, I'm surprised there's not been more talk of it actually because he's probably lucky to stay on the field because. The double jeopardy rule only exists if a player has made a clear attempt to try and play the ball. Uh, Shea hasn't done that. Um, so the referee, having decided that Shea has fouled him, probably would have been in his right to have sent him off um, if he felt that the Newport player was in on goal, which, let's be honest, he probably was. Um, so we may have got out a little bit lightly from that situation as well. But no, I think, you know, it's it's one of them that, there's probably quite a lot of refs that wouldn't give it. But if that happens down the rain and end in the second half, we're screaming for it and we'd be really disappointed if we didn't get it. Um, so I just think it's it's one of them on the day the referee was given, decided that's a penalty. And and yeah, and you know, once once we go two nil down, I think we all know that the we might as well put the ball up and, and walk off the field. Yeah, and the biggest issue going into the second half, we did have one uh, half. It's hard to tell from where we are. I haven't seen it back yet, but a Johnny Williams header at the back post. I'm not sure what if the angle was a lot better than it looked from our end, but it looked like another good opportunity. Conor Mahoney hit the bar uh, late on in the first half as well. Um, so can I, yeah, can I just say I, yeah. I, that Jack Johnny Williams header? He he should have put that in the back of the net. Yeah, I was of that opinion when I first saw it, but I thought maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt if, until I see it back again. But what, what, watch, it, watch it back, and honestly, you, you will you will say to yourself, "How the hell has he missed that?" I certainly will later on if I can if I can bear to stomach it. Um, but yeah, we we saw the the biggest issue of of this Gillingham side at this moment in time, and an issue that's been there for quite a long time is that we are not reliable whatsoever in coming from behind to getting results. So no matter who we were against, you know, it's a, it's a poor Newport team today, really. We gave them both goals. They won the game. It is what it is. But even against that sort of opposition, who obviously for the whole of the second half, we're happy just sit in, soak up pressure, although we didn't really create any clear-cut chances. A lot of balls into the box, easily caught by the keeper the vast majority of times. And they were happy to sit in, do that, waste time and hit on the counter-attack. And, you know, when you're a team like we are, who don't notoriously come from behind, don't notoriously score multiple goals in a game, it's 
always going to be a massive struggle and it doesn't leave fans with much optimism that you are going to get back into the game. And Reese, that's a problem that we've, we've seen for quite a while and it was the main issue again today where, you know, there's a lot of huff and puff, if you like, but I don't think at any point in the second half we were really convinced that we were going to get one, let alone two, were we? Nope. Second half, we had we had a lot of ball, but no bark. Um, last half hour, especially, we looked as if we was playing at walking pace. Um I think I've I've not read the comments, but I think from the headline on Kent Online, I think Millen's actually said that himself. Um, there was no near enough movement in the team to look to like they wanted to receive the ball, and I felt a little bit sorry for the defenders because a lot of the time they were just ending up going long to Bon. Um, and I think that was partly because no one in front of them really looked like they wanted to get on the ball, take responsibility, and try and progress us forwards. Um, and it it did genuinely look as if at two 0 the team knew and were resigned to the fact that they don't have it in them to come back from that situation, which is, which is a real shame. Um, to, to be honest, aside from Coleman today, I'm really struggling to give an awful lot of credit out to anyone, mate. I really am. Yeah, that is very much how I'm thinking about it. Matt, uh, Keith said in his post-match interview that he was disappointed in the way the players sort of let the game pass them by, uh, so to speak, towards the end of the game. And it did feel like that, didn't it? It felt like we were you know, trying to get back into the game, of course, but without being able to create anything clear-cut. And it was just basically a lot of huff and puff, but never really looking like you're going to get the end result. And that's something that we've become accustomed to for a very, very long time, isn't it, that? We're, I put it down as this, I said earlier to someone that I think when we're leading the game, we're the worst team you could possibly play against in this division. But I think when you're playing against us and you're beating us, we are the easiest team to play against in this division. A lot of huff, no puff. <laughs> I mean, that's literally how I summed it up to my friend uh, when and when we were walking out the ground. Um yeah, it's, it's. I said it a few weeks ago um, when uh, I think it was against the Notts County game. The Notts County game, we looked like we were lacking leadership. Do you know what? It's not even that. It's like the players don't actually know what direction, and I'm using this in, in a football term, what direction they're going in, what their actual plan is. It's kind of like they're kind of still trying to stick to what a bit of what Neil was doing, but also trying to incorporate a bit of what Keith has. And it kind of feels like, you know, in the defence, when we've got the ball, you know, we're, we're playing it around, which is nice. We're looking for forward runners, but they're stationary. They're not moving. They're not actually trying to run and find the space. And yeah, okay, you're going to have Marcus, but the whole, I mean, there was at one point, I think it was... um Ethan Coleman, he had, he had the ball in the middle of the park. And today, look, I mean, if any player deserves any kind of credit from today, I think it was him. I think he was one of the best players on the park. Um, I think everyone else was questionable. Um, but there was one point he had the ball in, uh, in the second half in the middle of the park. He had the opportunity to do one of two things, literally pass it left or run straight down the middle. And what did he do? He passed it to the right. And because there was no movement running forward. But actually, in that situation, what we want as Jules fans is for you to drive forward. There was a massive space. There was literally probably like 20 yards worth of space he could have run into. But he decided to pass it across the line. So 
we don't have as a team a kind of direction in which we are going. So that means at this moment in time, we can forget about getting promoted. It's not down to Keith. It's not his issue. But the players don't have someone that they can look up to, someone that they can call Gaffer, someone who is in charge. We need a manager two weeks ago. Not, not, not tomorrow. We needed a manager two weeks ago. I understand there were issues in trying to get a manager, but until we've got someone firm in place, and do you know what? I don't care. If they turn around and said, Keith is the manager for the rest of the season, fine, whatever, I'd go with it. But at least the players know he is in charge. Until the players know who is in charge, they're really confused. And you can kind of see it because... There is no kind of drive. We were 2-0 down. And in that second half, you'd expect those players to come out all pumped up. We're playing towards the reigning men. We are going to give it our all. And we played so well in those first two thirds of the pitch. But in that final third, nothing. And we deserve, as fans, we want something more. And look, I'm not digging at anyone at the football club. But until we have a permanent manager in charge... These players are never going to give us the perfect Gillingham team. And I think that leans us very nicely, Reese, onto the situation. We got, yeah, I mean, the second half happened. We lost 2 0. We created nothing there. There's really, I think, in terms of the game, gents, there's nothing really we can add on it, to be honest, is there, because it is what it was. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's been nearly a month now since, since Neil Harris is sacking. Um, I'll be honest, the situation has happened since. I'm very much of the opinion we shouldn't have sacked Neil Harris in the first place. I thought we were doing just fine. Were the performances always massively entertaining? Not always, but you're not always going to get that in League 2. Were they getting us results, whether we did it pretty or unpretty? Yes, they were. We were two points off the top three. Um, we're now eighth, which is where Neil Harris was sacked in, but the vast majority of points further off than we were in the position when we left uh, Neil behind. Um Look, there's been a lot of talk and debate about this uh, at the time, but I think I think you, you can't really not talk about it considering what's going on. And I just, personal opinion, I might be in a minority, I don't know. I think I probably will be. But I don't think there was the need for a sacking. If it's purely football-based, then I don't see the need for what happened to happen. I thought Neil was doing a good job. I know people want to be excited. They want to watch football. They want to see them tease by attacking football. I'm someone who's substance over style. Don't care how we get it done as long as we get it done. And whether you like Neil or not, you can't deny that he had a way that got us winning games. Not every game, of course, but it was something that I thought was effective and I thought would have kept us certainly in in, in the round of the top seven for the majority of the season. Now it's going to be a gamble to see if whoever we get in can do that. Um, I look at it now, Reese, and the timing that it's taken to get someone else in, we haven't done, we haven't done that yet. And the fact that Keith Millen's had six games, uh, that we, we got the victory against MK Dons, we played OK, they gave us both goals. We won the game at Swindon. I think we would have won that under nil. I don't think we would have conceded four. Walsall, under nil. Uh, Notts County game is probably an anomaly because they're a very, very good team. So you can't really point too many fingers in that. And I think we probably wouldn't have lost that game 2-0, under nil either. But I know this is all if, buts, maybes, etc. But Every game that passes, and I said this earlier, I think it just looks a worse decision every game that goes by. And I think everyone's talking about different possibilities. Scott Lindsay, this, that, or the other. And 
you know, I've said I didn't want Scott Lindsay, and, and someone asked me earlier, what, "What's if you don't want him, then who do you want?" I, I just said, "Well, my viewpoint is we should have Neil Harris still here, and I shouldn't have. There shouldn't be a need to talk about alternatives because, in my opinion, we didn't need one then, and I don't think we would have needed one now if Neil Harris was still here." No, obviously, it's it's sort of treading over old ground because Neil Neil's gone. We do have to try and look forward, but no. I, I did feel that our, our best chance of getting in the top seven this season walked out the door with Neil Harris. Um, you know, but I hope to be proven wrong and that the new man eventually comes in and come May we are sitting inside the playoffs. But, I, you know, I've just been having a look at sort of the, the, the facts, you know, which you can't hide behind. They are there for, in the public domain for people to see. Um in the league under Harris, we was averaging 1.9 points per game. We've averaged 1.2 points per game since he's gone. Um, we scored 16 in 14 games under Harris this season, which was 1.14 per game. In the six since he's gone, we've scored six goals. It's even less. It's one a game. Um, we conceded 16 in 14 games under Harris, 1.14 per game. We've conceded 14 in six games since he left. It's ridiculously more. 2.3 goals per game. Um, we've played five of the current top seven under Harris. Um, we took 10 points from them games. It's a really, really good return. Um, so, and this isn't necessarily me saying, as much as I think we would have been better if Harris stood in charge, this isn't the point of me so much saying, why isn't Harris still our manager? The point of me making them stats is to say that whether people want to run away from it or not, this prolonged period of having interim managers and not having a permanent manager is not benefiting our season at all. It isn't. The stats are there to see. Um, and like Matt said, a new manager should have been sorted out before now. It should have been sorted out two weeks ago um, and it needs sorting before Hereford. Um, but like you say, I'm still not blown away by any candidate that's out there. Um, the, the, if, you know, admittedly, sort of in the last six months, whether it's signings, whether it's managers, there's been a lot of social media talk that's turned out to be incorrect. Um, so I won't take it as complete gospel, but the rumour at the moment is that we want Scott Lindsay. Um whose Crawley team have lost five of their last six games and they haven't beaten a team in the top half of the table this season. Is that an upgrade? For me, no. Um, people will suggest it is because we'll play better football, but there's no guarantee that translates to results. Um, you know, we went, up, we went up to Swindon Tuesday and won one nil, playing a very set way of football, which wasn't too dissimilar to that of Neil Harris. Um, and Scott Lindsay's Crawley team went to Swindon this season and lost 6-0. Um, and ultimately, I think this direction we're going in, I get that fans call for better, prettier, more possession-based football on social media. But you only have to sit in Priestfield on a Saturday afternoon to tell that fans at Gilles will not take to that style of play. If we make a backwards pass or we make two passes across our back line, people are moaning for it to go forward. And then all we do is we pump it forward. I can tell you now, this fan base will not take to Scott Lindsay's style of football and they will get sick of it very, very quickly if it's not delivering results instantly. So he isn't for me. Who is? I, I honestly don't know, mate. I honestly do not know. But what I do know is that whoever it is, it needs sorting ASAP because we will just gradually dwindle further and further away from the pack. You know, the, the top three or four sort of look like the top three or four that you'd predict before the season started and they're running away. Um so it looks like we might be sort of looking at playing for fifth, sixth and seventh. Um, and if we have two more defeats like today, where we've lost to a team in, at home in pretty dreadful nick, um, then, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fall away very, very quickly. It needs sorting. We can't wait for Wrexham and throw a new manager straight into a Wrexham game. 
Um, we need them in this week. That brings its own pressure. You know, if we appoint a manager and we get turned over by Hereford and then lose to Wrexham, then I don't know where we stand. But it, it, it needs sorting one way or the other because, listen, the players worked the pre-season with Neil. They worked for the two, first two months of this season with Neil and his methods. Keith Millen has now taken over for a month. He's probably been trying to tweak a few bits and pieces so the players have been having to learn and get coached a different method. And now in a week, two weeks' time, it's going to be the third different voice in in what, three, four months that they've heard. So whilst the performances haven't been very good recently, I also do feel a little bit for the players and the fact that they're they're having too many voices in a very short space of time. And they probably don't know if they're coming or going at the moment because like us, they probably just want some clarity um, and they want a leader and they want to know what direction they're going in. Yeah, Matt, you got your hand up? Yeah, I do, I've just got to say, first off, I, I, do you know what? It, it, I've got to say, if, if um, Scott Lindsay was announced two weeks ago, I, I would have been I would have been really happy. I would have been like, yeah, OK, fair enough. Yeah, we've got quite a good manager in place. Um, if he was to get announced tomorrow morning, I don't know. Yeah, I'd feel a bit underwhelmed because it's taken so long. Uh, I've just got to say that. But I, I wanted to throw a name at you two guys. Um, if you need to do a bit of research, by all means. But Nathan Rooney... Do you guys know who no. he is? No? Okay. I, I, I know who he is, but no. I'm just thinking, if the club are trying to go in a different direction, that's a different direction. It is, but... Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I, I listened to, I listened to um, uh, the lower league, look, um, their preview podcast, and they spoke about him as a... Because he used to work at Crawley. I think he's managing in somewhere abroad. I think it's like Gibraltar or somewhere like that. Yeah, I, I don't want us looking at managers in Gibraltar, no matter how well they're doing. I, I don't see that as a remotely comparable uh, league or anything like that. I don't, no. You know, I think no, AD no. Penning's managing out there. So, you know, that's enough of a off-putting for me. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I just wanted to put it out there just because it's a name that somebody mentioned. I had done a bit of research and I thought, yeah, I could understand why people might be interested with him. Yeah, you're right. He, he is in a kind of a, what I call a non-existent league at the moment. But, you know, if he is trying to step up, could that sort of uh, Premier League sort of be similar to what, you know, the conference league? So over here, is it going to kind of be similar to him? That was the only reason I thought I'd throw the name out. But Reese, definitely have a look at him, Reese, because he's, he's, he's definitely an up-and-comer, but he's only 34 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just just doesn't speak speak jump out at me really that name. But no other name in the uh, the so called running has done at that point. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, talk of Scott Lindsay and his his record. I, I pointed out earlier they've they've lost five of their last six now. Uh, some people are trying to say that that's that's because he's he's set on going somewhere else. I don't think you lose five or six games if you're set on going somewhere else because you don't last that long if you're that intent on going. And if he has been our target since day one. I would imagine that we would have been in it, been able to sort it out a lot quicker than we have done, but we don't know if that's the case or not. Um, look, you, you mentioned it, Reese, uh, Matt. Uh, you you touched on it as well, but I don't I don't look at Scott Lindsay and and think that's someone who's going to be an upgrade on Neil Harris and we're going to win more games under Neil Harris. He might play prettier football here and there, but is that is that the sort of football that we? we can play consistently for the remainder of the campaign and get results with, I'm not entirely sure. Um, 
you know, like Reese said earlier, his, his team went to Swindon and got battered. R1 in the Harris sort of mould went there and managed the game and did what we needed it to do. Not not uh, in a pretty way, but we did it because it got the result. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't look at what he's done at Crawley over the past, uh, since he came in and I think he's right for this sort of fit. Um, obviously kept them up last year, but you know, he started this season well, but they have dwindled off in, quite dramatically in the past few weeks. You know, they've got to take into account the quality of their squad, but do, do I see that him as someone who can make the jump from where he is at Crawley to just punching above their weight to being someone who can get into a, a promotion battle in League Two? I, I don't know what your two thoughts are overall. Bruce will go to you for it first, but I'm, I'm just not just not convinced at all, to be honest by it. I think I'd be pretty... Um, I suppose you can't say disappointed because you don't know what's to come from it, but I think if, if he was to be announced, say, Monday morning, I think I'd be a bit of a... I would look at it with a lot of excitement. I'd probably look at it and think, oh, right, OK, well, I'm not surprised, but I'm not excited either. No, it wouldn't massively excite me. Um, listen, it, 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 if it did turn out to be him, he could come in and get us playing really, really good football and get us winning games with it, and then everything's happy, but you know, to to go from trying to play Neil Harris's style of football to drastically transforming that style of play in the middle of a season, I don't think people understand how difficult that probably is going to be to do. Um, you know, the nature of EFL football, you have a lot of Saturday, Tuesday games, so your training time's always limited. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that if it was to be Lindsay in the initial short-term period, especially, we do suffer quite a few defeats just by nature of trying to get to grips with a different way of playing because I'm not being funny. Just look at that today. Um, did you really look at that set of players today and think we could go out and start playing drastically expansive possession-based football? We couldn't even pass a ball 10 yards for after game, mate. Um, you know, these players have been coached playing a certain way and it was a way that was delivering results. Um, you know, it did sort of make me laugh Tuesday that, it, you know, it was a good, solid performance. Like you say, very much in the mould of Neil Harris. But all the games were 1-1, Neil under Neil Harris. People were moaning about the way we were playing. But then because it wasn't him in the dugout on Tuesday night and we won 1-0, it was a really good result. Um, the, pro- the problem is, mate, like, like, like we've said, that there is no name out there that I've seen that would overly excite me. So it's not a dig on Scott Lindsay. If we announced him, if we announced Robinson... If we announce someone at the conference, if we announce someone from Gibraltar or Portugal or wherever, it won't massively overwhelm me, I don't think. Um, I just see that Ainsworth's been sat by QPR. Um, he, I don't think he would come here anyway, and he wouldn't be the route we're looking to go down because of his style of play. But for, for me, he, he, he would have been a very good fit for our football club. But it seems that hasn't the direction that we want to go in. We want to we want to go and play this Notts County Wrexham kind of style of football. Um, have we got the goal scorers that those kind of teams have where you can rely on conceding two every now and then knowing that you, you've you got the firepower to go and score more at the other end I'd say the the evidence this season suggests, suggests no in which case it's I think we're going down a very very risky road I really do Yeah Matt yeah, look, um, I'm going to re- re- reiterate what I said a minute ago. Um, if we had announced Scott Lindsay two weeks ago, I would have been really happy. 
the fact that it's taken, you know, I, I don't know how many days it is we've been without a manager, but, you know, whatever it is, um, I don't know. Uh, let's put it this way. Unless it was literally someone like, you know, I'm just going to throw this name out there, forgive me, but someone like a Pep kind of name, a Pep Guardiola kind of name, even one of these ultra, oh my God, this is the greatest manager we could possibly ever imagine. Whoever it is, I'm going to be underwhelmed just for the fact it's taken so long. But whoever it is, look, honestly, I, I don't care. Even if we were to go down the route of getting Paul Lintz back in managing or whatever, whoever, I don't care. I'm going to be behind that manager 100%. But what they have to understand and what they have to know is that this, this Gillingham fan base, we do demand a lot from our team. And if that manager isn't making those players understand that, we're going to get on those players' backs. We're going to huff and moan. Look, I, I'm gonna, I've got to slightly disagree with what Reece said. I think if we are playing the ball from side to side and what have you, and but yet we're still winning games two or three nil. Do you know what? I I think the Jules fan base would get behind that and be like, you know, applauding every crossfield ball and what have you. At the moment, though, we don't have technically, you know, as a club, we don't have an identity. We don't know what type of football we want to play. Whoever we get in as a manager, that manager is going to come in and go to the players, Play it, guys, this is how we are going to play football and this is how we are going to win games. That's going to be their, um, uh, their, you know, their, their, their philosophy for the team. The players will get behind it. And look, if we're winning games, we as fans, we will get behind that as well. The problem is at the moment, as I said, we don't actually have an identity. We look like a cross between two different teams. You know, the, the first half against Swindon, I actually thought we played pretty well. And the second half, I don't think we played as well. That's Gillingham at the moment. That is the kind of thing we are. We're not a solid team. But once we have a manager in place, and look, if it's got Lindsay, I'm going to be behind him. I'll be a bit underwhelmed, but I'm going to be behind him 100%. If it was, you know, Pochettino or Pep or whatever, great. Oh, yeah, amazing. I'm going to be behind them, though, whatever happens. Whoever it is, Actually, I'm going to say whoever it is, apart from Steve Evans, I wouldn't want him back. No offence. I know Brad's listening, but I don't want him back. But whoever, whoever comes in and manages my team, I am going to be behind you 100%. And whatever style of football you want those boys to play, I will be behind it 100%. I just want our team, though, to start winning games and to get out of League Two because we, Gillingham Football Club, are not a League Two team. We are, I believe, that the town of Gillingham should be a championship team. That's where we belong. I believe I'm I'm of that era. That is where we belong. That's where we should get back to. It's not going to happen tomorrow morning. It's not going to happen overnight. But we need to get out of League Two. And I'll be honest, if we don't do it this season, I'm struggling to see when we're going to get out of it. This is the prime opportunity. So, Brad, I know you're listening. Whoever you get in charge, let them know that 95% of this fan base will be behind you from the start. But whoever you get in charge, we need to win games. We need to get out of this league. Whatever style of football you want to play, we're supporting. Some, something else, recent about the, the manager from before we go around to um, wrapping this up for tonight. Um, we've said about the timing and how long it needs to take. Um, 
I don't think we have any more the, the the license to be patient in terms of, you know, we have the FA Cup next week, so we, we you know we don't need someone in immediately. We need one before the Wrexham game. I think next week's a massive game, even though it's against the National League North side because the unrest is there with the with the fans. If we go out of the FA Cup or even if we get a replay against the National League North side, it's it's not going to be very good whatsoever. It's a banana skin we need to get over, and to do that, we need. A manager in the dugout and another thing that's a bit concerning for me is we're not the only club looking for a manager now there seems to be casualties every other day uh Bristol Rovers and Grimsby Town um uh the most recent ones you've got Colchester and Bradford as well so it's not just us who are looking for potential candidates which means the pool of available managers the more time we take mine may end up getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where we don't have our first choice because they've gone somewhere else and we end up in a bit of a sticky situation no, it's very, very true. And then there are also maybe managers that, where we've been looking for a manager for nearly a month, there may be managers that we end up going to who hadn't been contacted in the first month and it might be a case of, well, I know that I wasn't sort of your your first, second, third, fourth choice and they might not even be that keen on the job. Um, it's, it's getting difficult. It is getting difficult. Um, it's It's really impossible to predict when it's going to happen what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, like you say, there are more and more casualties as, as sort of the weeks are passing. Um, like you say, a lot of clubs are not too dissimilar level to us. You'd think they may be trying to look in the same same kind of pond, especially obviously Bradford at the moment, who for some reason have been without a manager for even longer than we have. Um, but I suppose they were a, a much lower point in the table when they made their change. So maybe that sort of bought them a little bit more time. Um, whereas obviously we made a change from quite a healthy position in the league um, where really there wasn't much room for us to improve there was only really a route for us to go downwards um, and certainly at, at best in this interim period we've we've treaded water and we've stayed where we are in terms of league position but we've actually drifted further away points wise from the top three um, and yeah I've personally think if we haven't got someone in the dugout next week it's it's a massive banana skin listen, listen I don't think it matters what our situation is what form we're in Jill's against non-league opposition is always a massive banana skin um, I could probably count I probably need sort of more than my two hands to count the amount of times we've struggled or been beaten by non-league opposition in my was it 20 20 odd years ago Jill's um so yeah, if, if our if if we have the application that we had the second half today at Hereford next week, we'll get beat. That that's that's reality of the situation. So I think the players need someone to go in there now um, to shake them up, to give them clarity and a direction moving forwards. Because yeah, yeah, losing next week would be, would be an absolute disaster going into Wrexham the week after. Um, see, so yeah, see, so yeah, it, it like like Matt says, whether I want Lindsay or not, which I don't really. Whoever it is, ultimately, we just have to get behind them and the hope that they're going to deliver the job to get us into the top seven. But obviously, we can't do that until we're given the man of who it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope it's sort of by Tuesday, Wednesday this week. I really do. It, sh- it should have happened before now. Um, why it's not happened yet? Is it is it because we've been on this big global search? For me, if we appointed Scott Lindsay it would suggest not if we go on this worldwide search for a manager, then appoint someone that practically practically lives on the doorstep. 
Um, so I don't know. Or is the club just sort of we've made a decision to sack Harris and then sort of thought what now looked around and gone well actually there isn't as many glaringly obvious replacements as we perhaps thought and in turn it's becoming a little bit of a struggle where we've got a big committee of people making footballing decisions at the club it seems um, many of which we've not even heard of you know we've got a director of football that I've not heard a peak of since sort of the summer um, which is a little bit unusual and maybe they just can't agree on a name I don't know I genuinely do not know we probably won't ever know the true story of what's been going on in this month but the end goal is we need a manager and we need a manager yesterday. Well, that's the important thing, isn't it? You so said we don't know what, what's going on for sure. I think the most important thing once this appointment is made is that we need to have a fans forum and people will have the right to answer certain questions, uh, answer certain questions about the process, about you know the issues regarding Paul Scully and his involvement in the sacking and things like that. And these, these are things that you know, it might be difficult questions, but they're ones that that need to have some sort of uh, well answer to them, really. Because you know, one thing for sure, if people ask questions, they get the answer. It'll stop all of the you know people on Twitter, people on Facebook forums thinking or saying they know this, that as facts. When if it's in a fans form capacity, and Brad and Shannon and Joe etc. answering the questions, at least you know whether it's the answer you want or not. At least we'll know factually what is actually going on. Yeah, I've just done a classic Matt, and that's the first time after. Hang on, we've been on for like an hour and a half. Wow, this is amazing. Um, look, I've got. I'm going to say it. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. Wh- whoever we get come in, you know, I'm going to be behind. But yeah, in terms of what the uh, the hierarchy, and and I'm not pointing fingers. I know Brad's listening. I'm not pointing at you, Brad. But we kind of want to hear from from you know you know Kenny. At the end of the day, we want to obviously we want to hear from Andy as obviously what's going on. Um, it it just feels you know we we've been so long without Neil at the helm. You know, and and I've said this from you know you can listen back to any of the previous pods we've done. I've always said when beforehand when Neil was in charge, look Neil Harris's teams come stronger in the second half of the year where we were in the league. For me, I don't feel letting him go was the right decision it's happened fine as a fan there's nothing i can do about it the, the hierarchy have decided it's time for neil to go fine if they want neil to go let neil go but the fact they've let him go and not had a replacement lined up that for me is the most frustrating thing because you look at the squad if you you know take any league two team and you look at of our players literally look at the list of our players and look at the list of their players on paper we have a really, really strong squad. Okay, Neil might not have been getting the best out of it at the time, but I do believe by the second half of the season, that team would have come on super strong and we would definitely be automatic promoted team. You know, I, I believe we would have been there because I think Neil would have had enough time with that, uh, that, um, that squad. But... The, you know, the, as I said, the hierarchy, Brad, Paul, whoever it was that has made the decision, whether it was Kenny that's made the decision, they've decided to get rid of him, but they've done it without a backup plan. They've not had anyone in place. Or if they have, why have they been dragging their heels about it? Because for the last three or four weeks, we may have won the odd game here or there, but 
we have we we are coming up into literally one of the toughest periods of our of our fixtures this year, and we're lacking a leader, literally a man at the helm. It's no offense to Kings because he's he knows he's only the interim manager. The players know he's only the interim manager. They don't have to impress him in training. Why would they have to impress him in training? Because he's he's not going to be there for the rest of the season. They have to do that with a proper manager and a man in charge. And until that player, that, that man sorry, is in charge, our players are not going to be playing 100% every single game. And that's the thing as a fan that is most frustrating. Well, I'd like to think if they're not playing 100% because of the person who's in there, then they just shouldn't be playing, period. Because no matter who's in charge, you're playing for the, you know, as the old saying goes, it's about the, the badge on the front, not the name on the back, isn't it? But, um, yeah, um, we are we are going to end it there for tonight because we've been going on for quite a while. Um, hopefully, we will see during the week an appointment as we head to Hereford for the first round of the FA Cup. Um, yeah, Gillingham lose two 0 at home to, to Newport County, but the underlying uh, story for today is obviously the abhorrent uh, racial abuse that took place in the in the Raider Mend in the first half today, and something that is is absolutely disgusting and you know we, we spoke at length about it in the first 45 minutes of the show so if you are tuning in late tune back in to, to listen to that when it's available on spotify um but yeah um uh very disappointing day both on and off the pitch uh today for jills um as they lose out 2-0 to to newport county and uh yeah what we can do is look ahead to a new week uh hopefully an appointment and then head to hereford and see if uh, the first round hoodoo is still uh, alive and kicking, but we certainly hope it isn't. Um, Reese, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. Um, yeah, if you are late, as I said, listen back available on Spotify very, very soon. But until next time, up the jewels. Thank you. Good night. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Matt. Yes, yes, I'm here. Breakfast show plug or no? Do it. No, you, you, you do it. Oh, no, I thought you were going to do it. Okay, I'll do it. I'll leave it to you because I've specifically not uh, addressed any of the comments we've had today because like, you've got 41 to pick through for tomorrow. OMG, I've just seen that. Wow, 41 comments. Thank you so much. Good guys, please still chuck them in because uh, tomorrow morning I will do a breakfast show. OMG, there is going to be so much to discuss. Yes, I am going to talk about, obviously, the incident that happened at uh, Jules today we'll go talk about the game I've not been on for a couple of weeks so we'll even recap a few of the games as well so please yeah, if you've got any comments questions ping them over to this uh, onto here and uh, I will address them at about 6am when I wake up tomorrow morning to start recording alright great tune in for that and uh, we'll be back next week up the Jules good night